Basically, the early 80s until like the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's called Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dykes. Uh-huh. And it's by, uh, what's his name? John Pearson. Uh-huh. He helped get distribution deals for all these low budget movies. Okay. For example, he got Spike Lee the distribution deal for uh, She's Got, uh, what's it called? She's Got to Have It. Yeah. And Richard Linkletter, who did Slacker, Michael Moore, Kevin Smith, just to name some of the more popular ones. But one of the things that it's got me thinking about is all these independent film studios pretty much are out of business now. Oh, wow. Now, there are some companies that have taken their place, Mm -hmm. but it feels in a lot of ways that we have seen the death of the independent film movement. Huh. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I um, I didn't know that this was really a movement. Um, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Really? Yeah. It was all over the news in the 90s, babes. I remember, I think it was in February of 1997 when uh-huh. the Oscar nominations were announced. I think... Oh. I gotta, I gotta get this. Oh my goodness. Hello? And we're back. We are back. We paused because Alana got a phone call and had to take care of some stuff. Yep, but um, everything's taken care of and we are back. Yes. As I was telling you, in 1997, when the Academy Awards were announced, mm-hmm. I think three or four out of the five films nominated for Best Picture were technically considered independent films. Um, and that's that's a loaded term uh-huh. because a lot of these movies were distributed by studios that were subsidiaries of bigger companies. Yeah. For example, everybody knows Miramax was part of yes. Disney. Yeah. But also I believe Gramercy was a subsidiary of Universal. Uh-huh. And I think... That might have been the first year the Fox Searchlight was in the game. Ah. But these were considered more independent because oftentimes the filmmakers would shoot them and then sell them at Sundance. Oh, well, I heard about – I knew about the Sundance Film Festival and I also knew about the the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. And there are other ones that are prominent, but those are kind of like the two big ones. Yeah. And Cannes is more for international release. So if you want to get a distributor in another country, although sometimes it helps to get a U.S. distributor too. Yeah. Um, 
and, and, and Sundance was a big one too. But I remember after the Oscar nominations were announced, there was all this talk about this is a sign that independent film is the big thing. Uh-huh. And obviously with a movement like that, it had been building up for years with things like, you know, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Uh-huh. I heard about that one. Um, She's Got to Have It. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, all that stuff, and many, many other movies. Yeah. And I, being around the age of 14 when this was all going on, and also being a huge film buff, yeah, had this fantasy that one day... I would make a film and it would be shown at Sundance and I'd get like a huge deal. Nice. So I think if I remember the numbers correctly, they made swingers for $200,000 and sold it at Sundance that year uh-huh. in like 96 or 97 for $5 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there were other cases that were similar to that. Yeah. And obviously that never happened to with me. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not even sure if Sundance is still going on. I think it still is. It might still be. Yeah. But the independent film movement is at an odd place right now. Hmm. You think it's because there's more well, I know that there are independent films that are streaming on, you know, streaming sites, but it's not the same. Uh, no, I no, I know it's not the same. For a couple of different reasons, right? So Theatrical releases help a movie get buzzed when buzz. So when it comes out for home release, Mm -hmm. people, if they haven't seen it, they at least heard of the film. And so it's it's more of a word of mouth thing. But there's also what used to happen with independent films is you could sell the home video rights. Uh So you could say like, okay, well, the studio's going to make, and I'm making up kind of numbers here, but if a studio's going to make 30,000 cassette tapes for the small film, uh, if I'm selling it, I want $150,000. That's $5 per tape. Yeah. And that would help a lot of filmmakers make back their investment. But now with streaming, I've heard that some services... Like Netflix will give filmmakers like pennies for each stream, mm-hmm. so it econ- the economics are not there anymore. Uh-huh. You know, unless you're really, really cheap, right? Um, and there's value to that too. Yeah, right. Like Kevin Smith did Clerks for twenty seven thousand. Uh-huh. I believe Ed Burns did the Brothers McMullen for twenty five thousand. Uh And there's other cases of even smaller films. Yeah. So I have a really uh, big sense of nostalgia and longing for that time Uh in American cinema. Yeah. I know people say that the 70s was the golden age of cinema. Yeah. In my mind, and I'm also partial to this because this is when I was becoming a big movie fan. It's the 90s. For a lot of different I reasons. I would agree. I mean, a lot of people would think back to their, you know, their childhood and their youth when, um, you know, what movies really impacted them as they were growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I And I, I totally understand that, for sure. And it's also because when they talk about the 70s, <laughs> the filmmakers that they typically focus on are Steven Spielberg, uh-huh. Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. 
George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola. Uh Uh-huh. And not taking anything away from those guys. Right. But um, they make very populist films. Yeah. You know, and, and we need populist films. We need movies like The Godfather or Jurassic Park, even though that came out later. Yes. But we don't just need those types of movies. Yeah. And I feel like what what happened with the 70s yeah. is those filmmakers ended up making the big blockbusters. Uh-huh. Where with the 90s, Richard Linkletter is still making films that get me to think about life. Uh-huh. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. What do you think about all of this? What I've just said. Um... I don't know. I mean, I'm. I know that you're a lot more into that than I am. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know there was a movement. I I have heard about the Sundance Film Festival, and the Cannes Film Festival, and and you know, a different uh, other film festivals too. But, yeah. Um, I always wondered how independent films got to the to those festivals. Um, I remember one time when uh, actress Dakota Fanning was still young. I think she was like 12 years old. And there was a controversial movie she was in called Hound Dog. And that ended up at the Sundance Film Festival, Mm. I think it was. But it was controversial because uh, she was involved in a rape scene in the movie. Oh, wow. And anytime there's a rape scene and there's a child involved, of course, it's going to turn people's heads right absolutely it's gonna make people scratch their heads and go like oh but she was interviewed about it and she said well this isn't what you think this this scene was actually done very tastefully but i'm thinking how can a person do that kind of a scene tastefully but maybe there is a way to do that i don't know but um but her movie ended up at the the sundance film festival i don't know that it got to the theaters though I don't know. We might want to check that out sometime. I, I uh, don't want to. I love independent films and art house movies, and I no. I also love big budget films. So I don't want to sound like somebody who's just hating, yeah. but I think in our society right now, the problem we have is it's just big budget movies, and and people are always going to say, "Well, what about Netflix? What about HBO? What about this? What about that?" But I'm talking about theatrical releases yeah. and films that get a, a fair amount of attention. I don't think I want to see Hound Dog. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's really sad <laughs> mm-hmm. that it feels like there's not enough attention focused on independent movies anymore. Wasn't there a movie? I know there was a movie by uh, that Christina Ricci was in called Black Snake Moan. I've heard that that's really good. I think that was an independent one too. I do, now that I cannot say for sure, but it had also had Samuel L. Jackson in it. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, yes, yes. Does this sound like a book you would like to read? I don't know. I'm not. I. 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 I probably not. Oh, I'm not really into that world as much as you are. Not that it's a bad that it, that it would be a bad book, but it's just not my thing. That's fair. Yeah, it was really interesting reading the Michael Moore stuff in the book. I mean, I'd obviously known that Roger and Me was his first movie, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what went behind selling it to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and that he specifically didn't want the movie to come out on or be sold to PBS. 
and that Universal was trying to bid for the movie at the same time. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Ralph Nader was against Roger and me. Oh, wow. And I, I want to do more research into that because that seems a little bit strange considering his relationship with the automotive industry. Huh. And who was this Roger guy again? Roger was Roger Smith, who was a president of GM. You know the premise of Roger and me, right? Uh, yeah, I think he told me that a couple times. Yeah. Oh, oh, I did. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. One of the things that Michael Morris said in his contract mm-hmm. was that he wanted each screening of the film to have an open seat in case Roger Smith ever came in to watch it. <laughs> okay. <coughs> really? Yeah, I don't know if uh, Smith ever talked publicly <coughs> about his thoughts on Roger and me. Oh, wow. Yeah, we should watch that movie sometime. That's really good. Oh. Oh. When did that one come out? Uh, 1989. Wow. Yeah, we, we saw it in school. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really good. Bob Eubanks comes across as a racist in it. Or an anti-Semite, but it's still a fun movie. Oh, you actually saw that in elementary school? No, in high school. You said it came out in 1989. It did, but we watched it years later. Oh. Yeah, in like 98. Oh, I see. Okay. But by then, I was already a Michael Moore fan. Because you had, um, because that was your uh, film appreciation class, correct? No, that was just a regular class. Oh, wow. Yeah, I took a lot of film classes in high school. But then other classes would just, like, have movies in them. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Okay, Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But one day we watched Watch You and Me there. Jaywo. Jaywo. Okay. I'm a big Michael Moore fan. Yeah. And I understand that he's doing documentaries and he's doing a narrative. So sometimes things get edited in a certain way. Uh Uh-huh. But I I really dig his work. Having said that, it's hard for me to enjoy his podcast, Rumble, because it seems very depressing. How come you like to watch depressing stuff? Well, one, I listen to it. Oh, listen to it, whatever. <laughs> whatever, watch, listen. Well, and I just said it's hard for me to listen to it. Okay, but why would you listen to it, though? I don't understand. Because I'm a Michael Moore fan. <laughs> I've been a fan of his stuff since the 90s. So, as I told you, by the time we watched Roger and Me, I was already into his work. Yeah, I know that. I became a fan of his uh, through TV Nation in, like, 94. Oh, wow. Which was a show that aired on NBC for a couple of years. Then I think it went over to Fox for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. Huh. Yeah. Would you, you are partially a fan of his. Not like, really. Well, I know you're a right wing, I mean, but you have told I, me that you like some of his movies. I only watched Fahrenheit 9-11. But you said that you liked it. It was, I have to say, it... it uh, thinking back on it, it was kind of funny, yeah. but, but also very, um, yeah, it was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, so, and then at the end, the end of the movie, ironically, um, you heard the song, keep on rocking in the free world. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was just, yeah, I have to say, and, um, the person I watched, uh, the person I watched the uh, movie with was also a Republican, but this is before I was uh, I knew more about politics mm-hmm. and um, even he thought it was really funny. And I thought, yeah, this is, this, this is definitely not making uh George W. Bush look very good. And yes. And uh, I, I, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, as much as I don't like Michael Moore's politics, I have to say that this was a pretty funny documentary. 
Very good. And one of his producers is related to the Bush family. What did they say about the movie, about the documentary? Did they, well, they think it was... Okay, so here here's a story that Michael Moore tells, and it's not about Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah. It has to do with Roger and me. Yeah. So they do the movie, and then life goes on. They, they, I don't think they had sold it yet, but... George H. George H. W. Bush right. gets elected president. Uh-huh. So Michael Moore is watching the inauguration, and he's like, "Oh, that's my producer on TV. What's he doing next to George H. W. Bush?" Yeah, yeah. Guy comes in the next day. Michael Moore says, "Hey, you were on TV uh, right next to the new president." The guy's okay. like, "I know. I'm a part of the Bush family. I'm, you know, like the, their nephew." Uh huh. I don't really want to talk about it too much. Uh-huh. And so Michael Moore's saying, well, okay, well, you're doing the right thing with me. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe a year later. Yeah. He calls up Michael Moore and says, we had a screening of Roger and me at the White House. Yeah. And he's like, oh, tell me more. Uh-huh. Guy says, um, well, you know, it was kind of hard to pay attention for, for everybody else because somebody was laughing throughout the movie. Uh-huh. And I looked behind me, and it was my cousin George. Wow. George, who went on to become... George W. Bush. Yeah, wow. war criminal and George he was w. laughing Bush. during the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. That must have been a funny documentary. I really like Roger and Me. I actually don't think it's his best work, yeah. but it's worth seeing. Okay. And I have a copy of it. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a fan. That is really, I think, I think you might have told me that story about, uh, George laughing in the, in the, in the, uh, laughing while he was looking at the documentary. If I recall right, that's written about in Michael Moore's book, Dude, Where's My Country? Uh-huh. Uh, but he's also said it on various talk shows, you know, throughout the years. Oh, wow. Okay, babes. Mm-hmm. I gave you a homework assignment. Yeah. And you know which one I'm going to say? Yeah. I said... Now, I, I'm actually going to give credit... I, I actually did not look this up, by the way. Okay. Um, and I still have to find something. I'm, I, I'm going to give Trump a little bit of credit here. Mm-hmm. I, as you know, I'm not a Trump fan. But one thing he did do that I do... I, I can really get behind is he made it safe for Republicans to badmouth George W. Bush. And I kind of think Democrats may need to relearn that lesson, but mm-hmm. that's a story for another time. Yeah. You have always said, well, conservatives uh, have a lot of issues with George now, W. Bush. And yeah, they they do now, but but so so unfortunately, I. But we have to say what the assignment was. Yeah. Okay. I said that's true now, but outside of somebody like Ron Paul, I doubt you could find any evidence of a conservative Republican with some sort of platform who badmouthed George W. Bush while he was actually in the White House. Okay. I I, I did not look that one up, okay. unfortunately. Because I I and, and it doesn't mean that there there um is somebody that did that or there I'm sorry, that, that doesn't mean that there um that 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 I'm right about that. Um but I have to I have to look. But maybe, maybe you might be right that, that now, um, people are realizing that the Bushes were an establishment family all along. 
So I don't know. Yeah, but they weren't saying that at the time. At the time, the propaganda was you're either with us or against us. But maybe I mean this is this doesn't mean that I'm not going to look this up. But I I um I don't know. You might be right about it, except for um, Ron Paul saying that. So I don't know. But that's something that I need to look up to. That's fair. At least you're willing to admit that you might be wrong on this one. Yeah, I can admit when I'm wrong. Yes, and. I don't like what the Democrats are doing by trying to embrace Liz Cheney, like she's their lord and savior. <laughs> well, there are um, there are a lot of conservatives speaking out about Liz Cheney being one of those Republicans that will um, help the Democrats, or at least that's why um, that's part of the reason why they don't like her. And um, and you kind of have to wonder, you know, because she got um, her chair was taken away. Uh, for good reason. Well, give her a ball stool. No, because she used to be the chairman of the Republican Party. Okay. She used to be the chairperson, and her chair was um her, her chair was taken. And um, Wyoming, um, uh, most Wyoming, Wyomans, Wyomings. How do you say that? Uh, I don't know. Like my Wyoming. best friend lives in Wyoming, so yeah, I should but, know this. But most, but a lot. Uh, I think the majority of people in Wyoming are really hating on Liz Cheney and their um and her um. Her her um, opponent um, Harriet Hageman is uh, a lot. I, I don't know if I don't know when their primary is. I don't remember if they um, if they have their primary yet. But um, she has been um, up several points more than Liz Cheney because they really don't like her. Let me say a couple of things. Yeah. Um. I wish. Now, as much as I hate Liz Cheney. You say hate a lot. Well, her father helped kill a million people. Then we're not talking about her father, but. Yeah, but she hasn't denounced him. Oh. She hasn't denounced him. The and right she's, way. She's been seen with him in public, like this year. Oh, okay. Well, we're not talking about him, but we're talking about her. Right. But she's part of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. If my dad killed a million people, I wouldn't be seen out with him in public. I would be very careful about that, yeah. Yeah. So as much as I hate Liz Cheney, and I'm glad that she's doing bad in the primaries, mm-hmm. no Republicans were speaking out against her before she did the January 6th stuff and said that, that you know, tr- Trump was wrong for that. And to me, it's like, I'm glad you're right on this one issue, but that does not make you a good person. Just because you called her right once in your career, you're still the daughter of a war criminal and you still haven't denounced your dad. Mm. And you still I, I am again, you're against gay marriage. You're against abortion. Well, that's rights. really interesting because um, her sister, Mary Cheney, is a lesbian. I know. And the, <laughs> it, I know. And Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney are against gay marriage. Are they? Yes. Really? They're evil people. I, I don't know about now. Actually, Dick Cheney might have changed his tune, but when he was vice president, he was against gay marriage and openly. And his daughter was openly gay at the time. I mean, that would make sense if they didn't have anybody in their family that was. Yeah. But because they do, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and it's a special. Well, I mean, if they, I mean, it's one thing if they didn't before that, but I don't know, like. Because she, because they were open about it, it wasn't like it was private or anything. It's one thing if it's private and they were still like not um, supporting it, 
But since she made it public, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was all over the news in like <laughs> 2004 that she was out of the closet and Dick Cheney was against gay marriage. And to me... Are we going to go down here? It's a special kind of evil to not want your own daughter to have rights, but also you're in a position to where you could help her out and you're choosing not to. Ah, that's so wrong to me. Okay. I think we could go down in the weeds with this, but I really don't want to. I know, I know. We always talk talk about about Dick Cheney. We always talk about the Cheneys. I know evil they are and I know we do all that. Yeah, and who talks about it more? You do. I'm obsessed with the Cheneys. You have to stop it, Bubs. (laughs) But you know what but they also turned me against the Republic I mean the Democratic Party, because there's that video from earlier this year of Nancy Pelosi and the and a whole bunch of Democratic congressmen lining up to shake Dick Cheney's hand. Oh. Which I was disgusted by. But anyways. So let's talk about Trump, but not in the way you think we're going to, because instead of bad-mouthing Trump. Yeah, because you like to do that all the time. (laughs) Well, let's mix it up a little bit. Okay. I have major problems with this man, as you know. I know you do. Right. Um, but I also have major problems with Joe Biden. Of course, we both do. Actually, we we can really agree on this. Actually, before we talk, we're, we're going to circle around to Trump, but let's first talk about somebody in the Democratic Party who is a little bit of a hero, and you will probably actually agree with us. A man named Andy Bashir. And by the way, I've not heard this story. Um, you're the only one who told me about it. They talked about it on Breaking Points the other day. Um, and I think they might have mentioned it on Democracy Now! Because I've never heard this at all, actually. Um, where did they get their, Where did they get that story from? Well, Breaking Points was quoting CNN. Oh, they got it from CNN. Well, but here's the thing. It's CNN saying it, who is, like, in the, the pocket of the establishment Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. It's probably true. Like, most times you could discredit CNN, mm-hmm. but considering that they're saying this about Democrats mm-hmm. and they're reading the leaked emails, yeah, that makes it a little bit more credible in my mind. Okay. So let me say what I'm talking about. Andy Bashir is the governor, right, of um, a state in the South. Is it Louisiana? Um, Andy Bashir is from Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. So... Roe v. Wade happens Mm -hmm. in the 1970s, and then, like, a few weeks ago, it's overturned Mm -hmm. by the Supreme Court, Uh who now say that they want to go after gay rights. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Clarence Thomas said that. Now, now I've looked looked it up another... um, uh, um, I have to actually look at... I actually actually have to find his um, opinion where he said it, but... I don't want to go down the weeds because we're going to talk about this. Okay, we're going to talk about this. We'll save gay rights for another time. Because I sure after, you know, gay rights get overturned. Well, let, let me just say this, okay? It was, He never said anything about overturning anybody's rights. It was just to look at it because, um, because abortion was never a constitutional right. And he wanted to look at the, um, I think it's called substantive uh, due process of those those supposed rights. So it wasn't like he said, 
let's overturn them. But he basically said, why don't we revisit it? And revisiting something doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's, um, any, anything was going to be taken away from It's double speak. No, it's not double speak. Because why would you revisit yeah, it but, but, unless you're planning Okay, all I'm going to end with this part is say that the only reason why all these people are hurling racial slurs at this guy is because they're expecting him as a black man to think as a Democrat. And he's not well, a liberal Democrat. Hold on. And Who's hurling racial slurs? Samuel L. Jackson was. Samuel L. Jackson hurled some uh, racial stuff at him. Okay. I, I did not hear that, oh, yeah, but that yeah. doesn't mean it's not true, though. Oh, yeah. There just because some, I didn't hear Oh, yeah. The, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is one of uh, several people, like, um, he called him Uncle Clarence. Oh, ooh. Yeah. So, uh, if you, uh, I mean, I understand Samuel L. Jackson is a, is an actor, but you cannot, you can't excuse that. There, there have been other people that have been threatening his life. Um, there have been other people that have um, been making fun of him because he married a white woman. So, so I mean, that's that's not right. Oh. And and it's all because the um, the Democrats want him to think like a liberal Democrat, but he's well a conservative black man, and that's why they are um, freaking out because they think that they're uh, that things are going to be taken away just because. Roe v. Wade was turned back to the states. But he's saying he wants to take this stuff away. No, he didn't. No, he never did. You don't. And I think that if you're going to make a statement like that, you should really look into his opinion. Right, but you don't say, "Well, let's revisit gay marriage." That doesn't mean just because that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that anything is going to be taken away. That doesn't mean that. Well, in your defense, if he does take it away, what'll probably happen is. Um, Joe Biden will appoint somebody from the Westboro Baptist Church to uh, defend gay marriage. I think anyone in their right mind would think that the Westboro Baptist Church should be shut down because that is a fringe um, movement, and I wouldn't even consider that a church. I, I actually agree with you, but it's possible that Joe Biden would see them as a and there's a lot of, of people, gay people and considering there, his mindset. And there are a lot of people, um, I would even think on the left, that think that the Westboro Baptist Church has gone too far. You would even think on the left? The left? Okay, I will give you this. Conservatives, for the most part, have been against them too and have denounced them as conservative radicals. But the left never liked them. Um, No, 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 no. I'm saying that the left would think that they were not good people. Yeah. And conservatives for sure think they're not good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Biden probably loves them, though. So so let me, so let's get back. Okay, we're getting off of the... Let's get back to Andy Bashir and why I feel so confident about my Westboro Baptist Church and Oh my goodness. Biden comments. So Andy Bashir is from Kentucky. Yes. He's a Democrat. And he's not exactly like a Bernie Sanders liberal, right? He from what I can tell, he is like one of the boys. He's in the club, right? Mm-hmm. And the decision on Roe v. Wade comes out. Mm-hmm. Court is overturning it, right? But we had known that this is coming for a minute. It ain't like this was a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think the day of or the day before, Joe Biden emails him and says, and I forgot the man's name, I want to uh, appoint this judge to the state Supreme Court of Kentucky, and he is a pro-life judge, and I'm doing this as a favor to Mitch McConnell. Andy Basir releases the, these emails to the press, which thank God he did. Mm. 
And now people who are on Joe Biden's team are starting to turn on him. Well, they've been turning on him for a while. No, 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 no. But what I'm trying to say is people connected to him. So like big celebrities, not like people like me who are like lefty and only voted for him because I liked him. No, no. I mean, I mean, what I mean is even before then, there are celebrities that have already been turning against him for other reasons. Yeah, but there was like more reporting. So uh, this is hearsay, but apparently Deborah Messing who uh, was on that show, Will and Grace. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. The, I guess he's like... The a, 90s show, yeah. An anti-Bernie Sanders Democrat uh, was on some phone call with him and just started, like, yelling at him, like, you're not going to do anything about abortion rights. Um, and other celebrities apparently have done the same thing. And now that these emails com- have come out, it looks really bad for Biden. And we're going to circle around to Trump. And I'm about to say something good about Trump. Oh, good. That's the first well, uh, out of a uh, uh, very few times that no, you would ever. I've, I've said good things about him before. Not really. Yes, I have. I, I've said more good things about him. Well, of course. Okay. But I've said some good things about him. Okay. Okay. And it pains me to say this, babes. <laughs> Lord, I do not want to say this. Yeah, right. But I've been thinking about it, babes. Okay. Um, I think, okay, so this is going to sound like a diss, but you got to stick with me for a minute. All right. I think that Trump's policies are horrible for America. They only serve him and the large donors, and everybody else gets screwed up. Oh, and they serve me too. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. (laughs) I guess I'm a large donor. Oh. I'm not. How do they serve you? Okay, all right, all right. I, I just, I, I, I mean, as as a Trump supporter, it served me. But anyway. I think that he is dangerous for this. Ah, babes, <laughs> I'm going to start taking, do you want me to start poking you when you're making your points? <laughs> no, 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 okay, okay, I'm sorry, take a twist. Okay, I'm going to start poking you when you start making points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't get triggered. I'm going to say something good, but it, it's going to uh, take a minute. I'm not twiggling. Okay. He is a danger to this country, and he is a threat to our democracy. Because he's against the Democrats. Go on. No. Because because he doesn't back you want, up. Do you want me to? Yes, I do. Do you want me to say? Okay. All right. And I think that he is a racist. <laughs> Can I get my point across? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'll be laughing the whole time. Um, And I'm scared what he would do with the second term in office. <laughs> Go on. My goodness. Now, having said all that, well, let me also say this. I really want Cory Bush to tra- challenge Joe Biden in 2024 in the Democratic primaries. And if she challenges him, I would register as a Democrat just to vote for her in the primaries. Um, well, why wouldn't she be able to vote as, a, as an independent? I don't... Uh, well, that might be the case in Oregon, but in, in some states there are laws that saying that you can only vote in the primaries if you're registered to that party. Is it really? Yeah. You couldn't vote as, a de- as an independent? I'm not sure if that's the case in Oregon. It varies from state to state oh. because there's no national election laws. Okay. So I'd actually have to look into the local laws here. Yeah. But I, if I had to, I'd register as a Democrat to vote for Cory Bush because I think – that she would make a great president. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Uh, we already know. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Get on with it. But if it's Joe Biden versus Trump, mm-hmm. while, don't get triggered, 
Trump's policies are racist. You already said that. I'm repeating myself, babes, because I'm out to make a good point. No, and, you're not making a good point. Hold on. <laughs> Let me talk. This, <laughs> all you're doing is prolonging this. Okay. All right. While I think that Trump's policies are racist and a threat to our democracy and our planet and very classist. <laughs> if it comes down to Joe Biden versus Trump, I'm going to vote for Trump. Because Trump has a very dangerous agenda. Dangerous. And But Joe Biden's agenda is just, I'm friends with Mitch McConnell. So let's try to a compromise with the Republicans and do nothing for the people. I, I think what makes Joe Biden's agenda a lot more dangerous than Trump could ever do is that it's not Joe Biden who's in charge of it. It's Obama. Obama is running the show. Well, there is some truth to Obama's that. running the show. We're already finding out that this is just a continuation of Obama's administration. Um, it's just not an administration. It's It's more like a regime. And um, I think the only reason why the Democrats think that Trump is dangerous is because he's no longer a Democrat anymore. And he's not backing them up anymore because he's tired of their policies. Okay, there's a little bit of truth to what you said about Obama running the show. Is, is he doing it like he did when he was president? No. But does he have a huge say in what goes on in the White House? Absolutely. Oh, I believe that he's um, he's working behind the scenes with um, the people on his team uh, but I, 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 yeah, he definitely is. I wonder though, because now there are people that are leaving for the hills yeah. that are in the White House. It's kind of like the rats are jumping ship. Yeah, they and are. It's, it, and they're jumping ship at a very alarming rate. I mean, now you, you pointed out, um, that, uh, Joe Biden now has a, a 71% uh, rating of, uh, people that um was it the democrats that were i think it was if i remember right and i listened to this like a, a week or two ago it was like a 71 percent disapproval rating uh amongst democratic oh. voters oh it's 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 like i mean it is but let, let me also state state this polls can be manipulated and i don't know the validity of this particular poll. I believe it. I, I mean, I believe it too. But I, I just wanted to. But make even, that clear. but even leftist media, as much as I don't like it, uh, like them uh, anymore, because I used to listen to that stuff. Even they had to admit that he does have a disapproval rating that is tanking uh, daily, and uh, not only that. Oh, 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 I got to tell you what was all, what was leaked off of Hunter Biden's laptop that is really, really strange. Okay, but first. But first, I know first. that I'm getting on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me just say the leftist media that I pay attention to has, has never really supported Joe Biden. Like, there have been people who said on the outlets, I like, vote for Biden over Trump because of democracy. But nobody, it's not like TYT has been like, Biden is the next FDR or anything like that. <laughs> That's funny. Like, they never said that. Okay. I, I, and I find it very odd when I have friends who say that he's our new F FDR. That's insane. Yeah. Because, yes, FDR was a Democrat, but I think he was more in tune to what... What? <laughs> it's like the way you say, yeah, you are your Democrat. Why? No, 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 no. Wait, wait. You, you didn't even listen to what I was Go going ahead. to say. Go ahead. 
Yes, FDR was a Democrat, but what I was trying to say before I was so rudely interrupted Go ahead. is that he, he seemed a lot more in tune to the moment. The moment, yes. Yeah. So when he was in office and he didn't have to depend on his um, administration for everything. Yeah, and, and like Biden is so bad, again, I might vote for Trump. Well, well, even – and then I'm thinking about all the, the Democratic uh, presidents before um, – yeah, the Democratic uh, presidents in the past, like um, John F. Kennedy, mm-hmm. right? John F. Kennedy, yeah, he came from a very, very uh, interesting but also scandalous family. Because yeah, there were some scandals that happened. But he, he, you know that 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 famous quote: "Ask not what you can, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." You kind of butchered it, but I get it. What did I say? Ask not what your country can, can do for you, but, but what, what you can, can do for your country. I just said that. I know. I'm just, <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Bubs. Okay. You know what? You deserve this. <laughs> you <laughs> don't play Change Your Wild Podcast wig. Give me a kiss. Why? There's no truth. You copy what I say. There's no truth if you don't. Okay, can we um can we move on so we can talk about the blues fest? We will talk about it soon. Um, I, I I just want to reiterate, if Biden had more of a policy than he's than just that he's not Trump and he's friends with Mitch McConnell, then I I might vote for him in twenty twenty four, but he doesn't, so I'll probably hold my nose and vote for Trump. Well, there's a lot more. There are a lot more. Uh, people in the Republican Party that really don't like Mitch McConnell and have... Well, and I, I the, here's a couple more things about Biden real quick, and then we are going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were saying this on Breaking Points, so it's not really an original take from Rick. Yeah. But they were saying that it kind of shows how upset the Democratic Party was with Joe Biden internally that Andy Bashir could feel comfortable releasing these emails. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not getting a lot of uh, backlash from them. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting point. And I'll say something, too. As you know, I, I have a lot of liberal friends. Yeah. And. That goes that saying. Right. It's really been within the last couple of weeks, I've, since the whole seeing his reaction to Roe v. Wade come down, that I thought to myself, I might really consider voting for Trump next time. Mm-hmm. Despite many misgivings. So I'm on the phone with a friend of mine on Wednesday mm-hmm. who's super lib and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And we started talking about Roe v. Wade because he asked me, uh, you know, how are you you and Alana handling it? I said, I perform home abortion, so it's no big deal. But the other thing I said was this. <laughs> is um, I laid it out for him. Yeah. I talked about Liz Cheney. Yeah. I talked about... Joe Biden's reaction to all this. And I said, if a liberal runs against Trump, I'll vote for the liberal. But if it's Joe Biden, I'm going to vote for Trump over Biden. And I didn't get pushback. Well, I didn't get pushback from one of my pretty liberal friends about that. He's just like, yeah, you make some good points. Uh huh. Wow. But it wasn't like you make some good points, but But, it was just like, you make some good points. Yeah. So that tells me that things are, are shifting um, for Biden. 
And again, well, shifting in, in, in a horrible way for him. Yeah. And again, I hope that they, they choose the Democrats choose somebody that I can vote for. I because I don't want to vote. For I Trump. doubt that they will, and I'll tell you why. And I'm also going to, um, I'm also going to uh, conclude with, with what I think about the Andy Bashir thing. Go on, uh, because I didn't I didn't hear about it until you told me. But yeah. um, I'll tell you why I think it is shifting because the Democratic Party, the Democrat Party is really really crumbling at the seams. It is very very much because. Yes. A lot of Democrats have either been either lifelong Democrats or uh, ones that haven't have considered themselves Democrat but never voted. They're now shifting and leaving the party. And some of them uh, who are Democrats are actually thinking, wait a minute, um, there's something wrong here with um, with Joe Biden's policies. And there's also... Um, uh, they also, the, the, the radical ones don't really want what the people want. And, uh, I think, I think there's a, there's going to be a big shift here. I would make the argument that the people in power don't want what the people want. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. But you know, there are, there are good Democrats out there who are fighting for the people, but they're not the ones who are in positions of power. It's Kamala Harris it's Pete Buttigieg who is really oh. screwing up with transportation right now. Yeah, I mean the only thing. And Joe Biden. The, what I what I thought was interesting. And Nancy Pelosi. Yes, I know. Go ahead. But the one thing that I thought was really interesting as to why Pete Buttigieg became the director of transportation, I think there was one interview where he said that you know I I've been on trains a lot or I've taken trains and I'm like that doesn't that doesn't really. Um, uh, qualify you to be the director of transportation. And I honestly think that the reason why Joe Biden even voted him in is because um, of his sexual orientation. No, I, that's actually, no, 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 no. Part of it. No, I'll tell you what it was. And they talked about this on left-wing media. Okay. And I love Bernie, but you kind of maybe blame Bernie for this, maybe not. So check this out. Bernie is running in the primaries in 2020, and he wins the first four primaries. Mm -hmm. Then they go to North Carolina, and Joe Biden wins. Mm -hmm. um, and that a lot of that is James Clyburn's fault for endorsing him. I don't like James Clyburn either. Well, after seeing how he endorsed Joe Biden, I don't like him either. Yeah. But that's a story for another time. So they see that... The only one who has won a state besides Bernie is Joe Biden. <clears throat> now, the rumor is, can I confirm this? No, but I've heard this on a lot of lefty outlets, uh -huh. is that the next day after Joe Biden won that primary, Obama got on the phone with people like Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg mm. and said, if you drop out now... So we can get a consensus behind Joe Biden to stop Bernie before Super Tuesday. We will guarantee you a spot in the new administration. Hmm. Yeah, but you would admit a large part of it was because he was gay, right? No, I don't think that no, has I anything think so. to do with it. I think so. I mean, think about this, though. Joe, the reason why Joe Biden wanted to, um, you know, picked. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson as his nominee for new Supreme Court justice 
is because she was a black woman, and he said it. He did say that, and that was very cringeworthy. It was. I don't like that he said that. But I honestly well, think— Well, hold on. I don't like that he said that, but if you look at her qualifications, she's a great but, person for that Really? Position. Well, yeah. she she's the one that supported a—I um, mean, she let this um, pedophile get off, so, I mean, that's— I Now, what I heard, babes, was that there, there were state laws— uh, uh, that had to do with mandatory minimum sentencing and whatnot that kind of constricted what she could do in that particular well, then, situation. Okay, so why did why wasn't she why were uh, was the Supreme Court not allowed to see her records if that was actually true? I don't know about that because if that was true, then why did um, Dick Durbin refuse to um, release her records? Because if in fact she did not. Um, support this pedophile, um, then why couldn't uh, why couldn't Dick Durbin release it? And, and well, especially since she doesn't know what a woman is, so I don't know I, why. I could make, I don't know why she. Uh, <laughs> I could make the argument that why did Lindsey Graham vote for her for the state supreme court if she was such a bad pick? Well, Lindsey Graham is an establishment Republican, so I wouldn't really hold anything. You know, I wouldn't really. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Look, because it's not a good look the way that Joe Biden framed her nomination. I will grant you that. I can't defend that. But you got to remember, Katanji Brown-Jackson has also had experience as a public defender. People want to make it uh, out like, oh, it's great we got a black woman on the court. That's nice. But it, to me, a bigger thing is I, she knows what it's like defending people. I think I that's would, a huge asset. Yeah, but, but yeah, but she's also, she's also a, a leftist activist. Yeah. And I really think you should look into the pedophile thing because something really, really sounds fishy about it. I like leftist activists. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean that they have uh, they'll have uh, good policy either. I, I, I like that there's but, concerns that maybe it's to call George W. Bush a war criminal. I but, like but, that. But I want to end this political uh, segment here by saying that um, even though I don't like Andy Bashir's politics, yes, um, and. Even though I don't know about the pro-life justice or whatever, the pro-life judge or whatever it was that Joe Biden was trying to appoint, I I think that since there is a problem with Joe Biden, I am glad that these emails were were released and it'll probably start coming out in the wash more and more. I'm, I'm sh I think. And he was already doing bad before this, but yeah. his piss poor response to Roe v. Wade is just yet another proof that. It's time to have the Alzheimer's medication and leave office. Okay. 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 Yeah, I think uh, uh, Jill needs to give him some uh, some uh, warm milk and uh, put him down for a nap. And Mayor Pete did not get that job because he was gay. <laughs> I think he did. I, think I, that's, I don't think so. No, I think I think that. Um, in the uh, spirit of being more uh, inclusive or, ex oh, yeah, inclusive, um, I think that uh, Joe Biden was attempting to make his regime a little bit more uh, diverse. No, no, because oh, yeah, I think if, he, that I think was, if that was the case, why wouldn't he choose like a gay black man or a lesbian black woman? Well, I mean, the, it was he, all about diversity. He chose Pete Buttigieg. I mean, really, I mean, why else no. would he pick him? I I'm telling know. you, I think it had to do with Obama getting Mayor Pete to drop out of the race, and that was his controversial. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very suspicious about that. But anyway, I think we should talk about something else because there are more interesting things to talk about. Yes.
Yes, 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 there are. Yeah. J-Lo. Yes. Last week, on Friday, mm-hmm. was the start of the Blues Fest. Yeah. And obviously I knew it was coming up because I got tickets for it back in March. Yeah. But it was one of those things that it had been so kind of shady the last couple of years. Yes. Between the cancellation in 2020. Yeah. The way they chose to do things in 2021, which I understand because of COVID. I, I thought it was very, I thought, I, I really wanted to go, but I thought it was insane that we would have to be in pods. Yeah. In my mind, it's either have it or don't have it, but right. don't do it the way you did. But right, right. everybody's got to make a living, so I kind of get it. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't really feeling as excited about the Blues Festival as I do in previous years mm-hmm. because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, might get canceled at the last minute. Yeah. You never know, all that stuff. I was a little bit worried too, actually. Yeah. Last week... I start feeling kind of excited about it. Yeah. And then Friday comes around. I go to it, see the first performance. Then I go to see Lo Steele, LaRonda Steele's daughter and her band. Yeah. On the Crossroads stage. And it's the second show of the weekends. Mm-hmm. And it's going good, but I'm thinking to myself... Oh, you know, I'm not used to being out this long. Maybe I should go home. Uh And then I start thinking, I'm not one of my friends who comes up from Eugene. (laughs) Why don't I go to the next show and see how I feel after that? Yeah. And that person was, hold on to this. Hold on, because I'm going to check my phone. Okay. Hold on. Is somebody calling you? No, I'm going to check because I have the uh, artist. Okay. Hold it up here. Okay, okay. Thank you. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, after low steel. Hold on. Unfortunately, I did not get to hear her because you were invited. No, she wasn't. She was on a different stage, and it wasn't broadcasted. Oh my goodness! Uh, July first, I saw. The Bottleneck Blues Band. I did hear them. They were re- they were very good. And in the middle of their set, I realized, yes, I'm back here. Yeah. I'm in it, baby. I stayed the rest of the day. It was incredible. Yeah. Great experience. My feet were hurting after that. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the first time I had spent, like, I don't know, 10 hours dancing yeah. since the last Blues Festival mm-hmm. back in 2019. Yeah. Okay. Go home, and I decide that I'm only going to go to, like, three shows the next day. Yeah, and I thought that was a good idea because I said, you, you know, you don't want to overexert yourself if your feet are hurting that much. Yeah. But I went back on Saturday. I saw Sun Little. Some, he was very good. Yeah, some lady named Duana Greenleaf. Was that before him? That was after him. That was after him? Okay. Yeah. Lady A, the real Lady A. That was, she was so good. I, I listened to the entire set. Yeah, and I was on KBU that day. You were? Yeah, so let me tell you, at the end of her set, here, oh. here's what happened. So I go there thinking I'm about to see Lady Antebellum. And I was a little upset when Lady A came on. But then I realized 
I could learn about. Oh, but hold on, let me tell you what happened, Mavis. Mm-hmm. I I could teach myself a little bit about cultural appropriation by reading my biography on Lady Antebellum. So I pulled it out, and I'm in the middle of the dance floor, and I'm trying to read, but the music is really loud. So at one point, you can oh. hear me, and I yell, "Hey, could you keep it down up here?" Some of us are trying to read. Above, that was a joke. That was a bad joke. Uh-oh. And I almost fell for it the first time you told me. Because <laughs> I came home and I said, did you hear me doing the Lady A set near the ends? I said, no. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was it was probably the, the best set that I've heard um, during the day while I was here. At home. After that, I went to see the war and the or the the war and treaty. Hold on, let the me, war and treaty. Let me grab this so I can check it. Okay, make sure I got it right. Don't cover it. Oh, I want. Is it the war and the treaty? Hold on. And I had heard their music before. War and the treaty, you think? Uh, no, 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 no. Let me see. Oh, okay, the war and treaty. The war and treaty. Yeah. And they were a husband and wife duo. Right? They were. Okay. I left. My feet are hurting. And I think to myself, how the hell am I going to make it through tomorrow? You're not. Because I got my little <laughs> J-Lo coming. <laughs> and then we're going to go to the Blues Festival after she's done coming. But I'm, oh. Oh, ah. Ah. That was a joke. That was bad. That's a dad joke. No, it wasn't yeah, a dad joke. A dad it was joke. a wicked joke. It was a dad joke. Okay, whatever. You were nice enough to buy us Melalanas. Yeah. But I was ignorant enough to st- tell you to leave them at home because they were searching bags. So, okay, when I went there on Friday, they didn't even ask to look in my bag. But when I uh-huh. came back on Saturday, they're like, can we see what's you know going on in there? And yeah, then I just yeah, opened yeah. it and I didn't think about it. We go there Sunday morning and we find out that you need to open the bag. Yeah, because we're not allowed to open our bag, which is really weird. I'm like, are, are we, I'm thinking, am I supposed to hold my bag open and they look in it? And it was it was very, very awkward, actually. Yeah, and then I'm thinking to myself, well, that means that somebody could easily sneak a gun in here like that creepo, Robert Creepo dude. The bro- Robert uh, Primo Jr. I thought it was Creepo. Primo. Okay. Robert Primo Jr. Jr., who was an aspiring rapper. We won't talk about it, that guy. We'll get to that jerk off in a little while. Exactly. Yeah. So we could have snuck more than just the cookies in the there. The Milano's, yeah. We could have, we could have, well, I, I didn't want to bring candy in there because I was afraid it was going to melt. Yeah. But next year, we might even be able to go to Chipotle beforehand and get some burritos. That I, big a meal? Yeah, why not? Oh, my goodness. Okay. We go in. Yeah. We see Ty Curtis. Mm-hmm. It was, it was an amazing, amazing set. Yes. Very good. He was, he was not disappointing. Then we walked to the main stage and saw Hillstomp. Oh, Hillstomp was great. Mm-hmm. And I liked it because they had like a kind of a Mississippi blues type of a feel. And um, they were really entertaining and they were only a two-man band. I don't like that stage, though, because it has a slope. I don't like it either. And there's a lot of rocks there that are beneath your feet. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And I was, And I asked you, I said... Well, how is a person in a wheelchair supposed to navigate through all that? So the night before, when I was leaving after seeing the war in in Treaty, Mm -hmm. I walked up the slope and there was like one or two people in a wheelchair. Actually, I think it was just one guy. And they were near the top of the slope. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, and um, and then after Hill Stop, so uh, we went to uh, see uh, LaRonda Steele. That was great. They're always, I mean, this is the second time I've seen her and her family. Did not disappoint. Everybody was on top of their game. It was awesome. And then we took a break. Yeah, my only, and it's not even a complaint. Yeah. If I had a, a wish about their set list, I mm-hmm. wish Low Steel would have done that song, Insecurities, because that's a really cool song that she does. Yeah. I was playing that for you earlier when we were at my place. That was a good song. Yes, earlier that day. And then the and then the other one is, uh, what is it, You Don't Have to... I think it was like Give Yourself Grace or something. Yeah, that, that one's good too. That was a good song. I can't believe she mentions The Office. <laughs> We could talk about that. Too. I am one of those people, babes. Yeah. I've tried to watch two episodes of The Office. Oh, same here. And I just don't get it. Now, somebody could say, but Rick, that's two episodes. You got to give uh, us some more than that. I, Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I have heard so many people talk about this episode. I think it's either called Diversity Training or Diversity Day. And people said... I. I had one ex-girlfriend who told me that she stood up and applauded after watching this episode. Oh, you mean is that is it episode uh episode season two, episode three? No. Okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about what I've seen. Okay. So the an ex-girlfriend, white lady, told me that she got up and applauded after watching that episode. I don't think okay, you're white, but if it's that good, maybe I'll give it a chance. Yeah. And I can look past the color of your skin this time. Oh my goodness. So I watched the pilot episode and I'm like, nah, it ain't Rick's thing. But then I'm like, okay, I got to give this diversity thing a chance. This diversity training or diversity day or whatever the hell they're calling it. Yeah. This was like eight years ago. Okay. Watched this episode and I think maybe I giggled or slightly smiled once or twice during it. But it wasn't that funny. It wasn't like laugh out loud funny though. I, so. Yeah. Yes, it's only two episodes, but one of them apparently is considered like an iconic episode of the show. Okay, I've watched more than one episode with um, friends in the past, and I still didn't think it was that funny. Mm. Um, I'm, as I said, I do love Seinfeld and Frasier, but one of my uh, one of the shows that, of course, is uh, one of my favorites is Friends, and I honestly think that um, even though you haven't watched a lot of Friends, I've seen I, a fair amount of. Yeah, but you've only seen the first season. It's not a, a fair amount of it. Um, I honestly think Friends is much more funnier than The Office. Listen, to me, Friends is very cookie cutter. You haven't a seen product, that freak? Hold on. A product of its time. But I would have to agree with you. I don't get why so many intelligent people say that they would like The Office. I just think it's a... Um, I know some people talk about deadpan comedy, and I'm not sure exactly what deadpan is. Do you know what that that means? I think what you're referring to is dry humor. I think it's just too dry. I like dry humor. I mean, not dry, but it's like it doesn't. To me, it there has to be something about it that would actually make me laugh, and I I didn't I didn't see any of that. Look, I, I don't even think I don't think I don't think Michael is funny. I don't think Angela – Angela is one of the coworkers. I don't think yeah. she's funny or any of them. I like dry humor. To me, it's just not that funny. What can I say? No, it isn't. But anyways, so it was mentioned in a song at the Blues Fest. Yeah. And uh, that's what we were referencing. Yeah. In the Low Steel song, Grace or whatever it's called. I think it might be Give Yourself Grace Give Yourself something. Grace. 
think. Yeah. But um, but yeah, their set was really good, very good. Never, never uh, disappointed. We we never were disappointed. Um, it was it was it was awesome. I mean, they really knew how to engage the crowd. They did. And then we took a break, and what I did was I, I brought a towel. I had suggested that. And um, I should have brought a bigger one, but I did bring a towel. It was very small. <laughs> um, and my poor wick, his feet were hurting. Oh yes, but now hold on, hold on to this. Yes. Okay. Don't cover that. And I, then, I have to say before you go on to the next person. Yeah. Um. Uh, he was hurting, and um, he made a statement. He said, "You know that you're you've been in a relationship for a long time when you ask your girlfriend to massage your feet in front of everybody." I think that was slightly later in the day, but yes, that did happen. That was during that time. No, it was a little bit later. It was a little bit later, but we were, you know, we were kind of sitting down and resting for a bit. <laughs> I think the next band we saw was Big Monty. You are correct. And he, he thought was Big good. Monty. He was good. Big Monty, yeah. I think I've seen Big Monty at the Blues Fest before. Is he? Do you remember if he's from the South? I don't know. Okay, but he was excellent. The band was really good, and uh, very good. But then we got up and danced on the towel during the Ada Victoria set. It's Adia, actually. Adia. Yeah. Okay. I I thought this this um, artist was more um, a little bit more unique than all the other artists that we heard. Because hers kind of sounded like um, Southern rock meets punk meets blues, but I think it had like a little bit of a darkness to it, and it was slightly rebellious. It was. Slightly rebellious, but not like overwhelmingly like, I hate everything about this country type of stuff. Or... (laughs) I hate Christians or something. Well, no, I'm surprised you like it because she did say a few things that sounded like they could be slightly disparaging against the church. Oh, no, 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 no. I I didn't like that part of it. Okay. But I liked her. I liked her style somewhat. And um, I understood why maybe she may she may have felt a little bit different because just because of uh I don't know I don't know how she is as a person I'm not going to say but um I did I did not like the disparaging things about it but it, it wasn't so like overwhelming like I have to get out of here yeah. I can't listen anymore and like you know even though I'm a Christian I understand that not everybody no, is no you're not and they have their what no you're not you lie oh do I you have to tell the truth bub <laughs> Uh, but I can respect that other people have, you know, have falling outs with the church because, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I realize no, you're that not. life isn't. <laughs> what? No, what? you're not. Now you're just joking. Oh, my no, you're not. Oh, my goodness. Why well, I love you. <laughs> but I have to I have to give her props. I mean, she um, she came all the way from uh, Tennessee because she's live in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I do think she has talent. Um, um, the, the darker part of her, um, style wasn't really my thing, but I, I, um, I kind of like the Southern rock blues aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, there are things that I liked about it and there are things that I didn't really like about it, but other, other than that, she was really, um, she was a really, it was a really good set. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and then the next set, that was the one with the uh, the blue slash Latin feel to it. But we were we were on the other side um, where the smaller stage was. That was Toby Torres and Claudia Lanier, I believe. That was good. That was good. The only problem is because we were distanced and everybody was talking, it was a little bit difficult to hear. Yeah, but we heard what we could hear. Yeah. And we didn't, I don't think we danced to that one. No. And there was, I love Blues Fest, but the only thing is sometimes people can get a little bit too close. Yeah. In proximity to you. Yeah. So like at one point, somebody's sitting like right next to my backpack. Yeah. Um, at another point, there's like, there's room, but somebody's sitting like, just like a half an inch off of where the um, the towel was. I know, I yeah. know. It was like really close, really crowded. It's it's almost like they were like literally in your face. Yeah, but you kind of got to accept that that's part of Blues Fest too. Yeah, and then uh, and then the next band I think that was after that was um, Ron Artiste Jr. Yep, and the Truth. That was a really good set. I think Ken Body introduced them. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards the end of the set, I think it was the last song, he had his uh, little girl come up and uh, sing with him because he said that he Aww. was having problems with his voice. Oh, I thought it was cute. I thought it was really cute. Aww. And um, yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I I thought it was really cute. I and and I liked I liked how they broke out into straight out you know blues. Yes, it was so good. I thought it was really cool that he was from Hawaii, too, originally. That was cool. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, a blues person from Hawaii. You don't see that a lot. Yes. So, J-Lo. Yes. In the 1970s. Yeah. Late 70s. Yep. My grandparents, who were Baha'i missionaries. Yeah. Moved to Eugene. Uh-huh. When the movie Animal House was being shot. Yep, and I, I heard so much about that one. Yep. You haven't seen Animal House. I have not, but wasn't it? I think it was it was filmed at the, um, was it the U of O? I believe so. Yeah. We will watch it at some point. Not this weekend. Did though. you like it? I did. Okay. Is it about like a college life? Yes, in the 1960s. Okay. Um, was it filmed in the 60s? No, but it's based in the early 60s. Okay. Okay. So John Belushi is in the movie. And this yeah. is going to come back to the next act that we saw at the Blues Fest. Yeah. And he goes to see Curtis Salgado perform. And Curtis Salgado is a, a musician from the Eugene area. Yep. Now, legend has it that John Belushi uh, borrowed very liberally from Curtis Salgado's stage act uh-huh. to develop the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And if memory serves correctly... He even gave Curtis credit in the uh, liner notes for the first Blues Brothers album for coming up with the concept. And we saw Curtis Salgado after Ron Ortiz Jr. Or we heard him from the other states, but I've seen him live multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about that? That was that was good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we saw... Um, Okay, yeah, we saw we saw Ron Artis Jr. Mm-hmm. And then we saw what was the other one we saw? It Al- was it was right after Ron Artis. It was Curtis Salgado. Curtis Salgado, right? Yes. He was so good. Yeah. He was very, very good. And um and then we 
were listening to uh, Taj Mahal. Before then? Before then. Before then, what did we see? Lloyd Jones. Oh, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so so Curtis Salgado and then Lloyd, Lloyd Jones. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Jones. Lloyd Jones was really good, and he performed with uh, Curtis Salgado on one of the last songs. Yeah. They were amazing. That was really good. That, that was a really fun set. Wait a second. Lloyd Jones performed with Curtis Salgado? Remember when he invited Curtis Salgado to finish off the set? Oh, maybe he did, and I just like yeah, and, okay. and Curtis Salgado was on the other side of this, uh, the other stage. No, 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 no. Hold what? on, hold this. Okay, I'm gonna tell you because okay. I, I had it written down and I wrote it down from their website. So Curtis Salgado. Okay, so after Ron Ortiz Jr., who is on the stage that we were near, mm-hmm. Curtis Salgado performed on the large south stage, mm-hmm. and then after him. Lloyd Jones performed at the stage where we were near. Right, right. Yes, yes. So, so, and then he, um, yeah, so he invited Curtis Salgado to do a number with them. Nice. That was a fun set. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. And then um, the the last act that we were looking at was, um, we weren't close to the stage, was Taj Mahal. And the Phantom Blues Band, but we could hear them. And Alana told me that that counts as seeing him live. Yes, it does. What was interesting about that set, babes, mm-hmm. one, the music was awesome. But two, I was surprised how many people left the area we were at during the Taj Mahal set. I know. Because I was expecting because the South Stage was going to be so crowded that the area we were at was going to be packed with people. And there were a few people, yeah. but it really cleared out in that area. The Phantom Blues Band performed the day the day after. No, but they performed with Taj Mahal that night, too. Did, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. The, he gave them the, the name. Oh, I did not know that. Because okay. they performed on a couple albums with him, and I think oh. he started calling them the Phantom Blues Band. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Okay. I didn't realize that that was the band that was performing, but he was really good. We even heard him on the way off of the bridge, and uh, we even stopped to listen some more because we could hear it um, from where we were standing. Let's clarify. We stayed there for a little over the first hour of Taj Mahal sets. Yep. And really enjoying the music. It was supposed to end around 10.15. Yep. So my thought is, let's leave around 10.05 so we can beat the rush of everybody leaving Blues Fest. Because I've been caught up in that before. Yeah. And it's not the worst thing in the world, but it takes forever to cross yeah. um, the Hawthorne Bridge. Right. Right. You know what I mean. Not forever, but... <laughs> It takes a it takes a while. It's a if you're crossing it with that many people. Yeah. Okay. We get onto the bridge and we stop and we listen to like the last two songs that Taj Mahal does. But first, we don't hear Taj Mahal because of our position on the bridge. We hear the band, and I I didn't write them down, but the band that was on the crossroad stage. Uh huh. It might have actually been Hillstomp performing. Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah, I heard Hillstomp like. Before we got on the bridge. Yeah. But they were, um, but then you said that Adia Victoria was on the. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Adia Victoria was. Adia Victoria was. Okay. So, so let me make sure I have this straight. Um, I heard he'll stomp like before we actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they, when Curtis Salgado was performing on the South stage. Yeah. That's when he'll stomp 
was on the crossroads stage. And so we could kind of hear Heelstomp and Curtis at the same time, even though they weren't playing together. Yeah. Yeah. So we hear a little bit of Adia Victoria. We walk further uh, along the bridge, and then we stop, and we hear, the, like, the last two songs. I actually did not hear her. Taj Mahal. I actually I did. did not hear her on the bridge, but then you said you saw her or you heard her, and yeah. I didn't hear her. Yes. But, uh, but it was good because we got to hear um, the last part of uh, Taj Mahal's um, set a little bit. I just said that. I know. You know. I was reiterating it. <laughs> it was a good night. It was an excellent night. No we, crazy ladies. I oh, didn't have to flip anybody off. I, I was glad. And I'm like, I really hope we don't run into some crazies tonight because I, I, I'm not in the mood for that. No. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to get picked up from my place instead of downtown like we did the other year in 2019. That is a good idea because um, I didn't know that that was. And, and we... And, Granted, we both didn't know what was going to happen at Seven Eleven. Yeah, and and it, I don't, and and Rick doesn't take shit from people, so I know. Yes, I don't either. Oh, good. And uh, I did not appreciate that, but um, but uh, and and that is that was a really good idea because we had a nice walk on the bridge. Um, it was getting a little bit cold, but it wasn't too cold, and the weather yeah. was great. The only pro- the only thing I didn't like was when the sun came out. There were times where it felt like it was in the eighties. Yeah, there was. Oh, it was like baking sun. It was like, but it like, didn't last all that long. No, it didn't. And then there was some. There was maybe you said that you felt like maybe one raindrop. Yeah, I felt one when we were walking back from the south stage to from seeing Hill Stomp to see um, Laronda Still. But for the most time, uh, for the most part, most of the time, the weather was just fantastic. It I was liked just, it. It was just the the kind of weather that we had three years ago. What time do you think was better? Our first time at Blues Festival as a couple, or this time? I personally think it was this time only because the extra added bonus of being back in public. Yeah, and there was a lot of people there. I mean, there was like I kind of wonder if there was more people there this year than three years ago. Oh, I'm, I'm almost positive there was. And I think it's just the added bonus of people are getting out. They want to go see concerts. There were no restrictions at all. And people were free to um, have their faces uncovered. And, um, you know, I honestly think that the artists were happy to see people's faces again. Mm-hmm. And... They wanted to entertain us, and we wanted to be entertained, and I thought this was an awesome festival this year. It was great. It was fantastic. It was great. Such a great time. My feet were killing me. Yeah, and I said, you really need to take care of your feet. Yeah. Well, and again, the night before, I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get through another day of this? But we made it work because I you did bring the towel, so we were able to sit down. And normally, I don't like sitting down when there's live music. But listen, I'm getting older. Older, I almost said old. Um, You're not old yet. I'm not old yet. I'm not old yet either. Thank you. So <laughs> I had to like pace myself a little bit more. I hope that you um, appreciate that I. You know, I said you really, you really have to do that because yes. I don't want you to get hurt. 
I also don't want you to damage your feet. Now you were, you said, you asked me, hey, do you want to go up really, really close to the stage? And I said, no. Yeah. Because look, I love live music, but I really don't want to blast my eardrum out. Oh. And we, our ears are still good. Yeah. But I, I want to preserve my hearing for as long as I can have it. Thank you. And um, I remember, Bubs, when my dad was in his 20s, he used to blast the music so loud when his friends would come over. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, like maybe five, four, five, six years old. And my dad would be like blasting the, mu- the music. And even I didn't like. Well, yeah. And, and my dad did that too, but he had shitty tasted music. So it would be like all these like country songs. Oh, no, my like, dad, my dad had great music even back, uh, you know, great taste in music even back then. Yeah. And so he would listen to a lot of rock. Um, and, you know, he was slowly introducing me to like stuff like James Taylor and um, Peaches and Herb. And, and that's why that's why my taste in music is so eclectic. Uh, because of my dad and, you know, my mom too, because they didn't listen to bad music. Oh, babes, I remember one day. Yeah. I think this was over the summer. I was like, I don't know, nine or ten years old. Uh-huh. And I think one of my dad's tweaker friends was over there, because, you know, my dad was into math and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And before his friend left the place, he turned on it to some country music station. Yeah. And ramped the volume up to, like, full blast. And Are you serious? Yeah, and wow. it, like, woke me up, and I'm like, ah, you know, had to unplug the thing because I didn't know what I was doing. and you, you had to unplug the thing? I don't know if I had to unplug the thing. That was my first instinct. And, and you, and, you, and this was, like, in the morning? Yeah, this was in the morning. Wow. Yes. Yes. But anyways, Blues Fest was great. Was and great. the next day, babes. Yeah. I was going to go a little bit later. Yeah. Right? Yep. But... Jim Belushi. Yep. Was on Coin Six. Uh-huh. And Jim Belushi is a big fan of the Blues Festival. I've seen him there before. Yeah. And they'll have this thing they'll do where he does the when he goes to the Blues Festival where they'll say, like, um, say hello to our new weatherman, Jim Belushi. And he'll do the weather. <laughs> yeah. So I and I, I kind of like watching that because it doesn't yeah. happen all the time and it's a little bit fun. It's kind of fun, yeah. Yeah. And I'm watching it around one, and he's like, okay, so it's going to be very nice on, on the boats that are out on the waterfront. Yeah. But I'm not going to be on those boats. I'm going to be on the south stage performing with Curtis Salgado and the Phantom Blues Band at three. And then he goes into this whole thing about their, the Phantom Blues Band has a new song for charity and all that stuff. Yeah. I was originally thinking about maybe going there around four or five. Yeah. But then I think to myself, this is probably the closest I'll get to seeing the Blues Brothers live. And I have to say this before you go on. Go on. Is that I was very tired and I could feel my, you know, I could feel the, the soreness in my calves and in my feet and my shoulders and everything oh. because of the way that we were sitting and we were walking a lot too. Oh. Um, and I was, I took this. Uh, a couple of naps. And yeah. when I woke up officially, I woke up at three oh. and you had just left me two messages. And the one, the first one that I heard is you, you, I think you should listen to, um, K-Boo because, uh, Jim Belushi is 
is going to be there with um, the Phantom Blues Band. So I think you should listen at three. And then you told me that um, you were going to leave in just a few minutes. I think you left the message about one, one something, right? No, I probably um, left that message around two something because it was okay. right before I left. Okay, so um, I get up at three. I put on Kebu and sure enough, uh, I didn't hear all of his intro, but I heard like most of it like towards the end of the intro. But the Phantom Blues Band was amazing. So here's what you might have missed. Yeah. Jim Belushi gave, I don't know how long it actually was, but it felt like a 10-minute intro. Right, okay. Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan. But he did kind of ramble a little bit. Yeah. Which is fine. People can ramble if they want. Yeah. yeah, and he is a famous dude. Yeah. But one of the cool things he said was, for the most part, the Phantom Blues Band is the backing band for the Blues Brothers when him and Dan Aykroyd do live shows. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know. That's pretty cool. And which is kind of cool. Uh, kind of cool. And the other thing is some of the people in the Phantom Blues Band have performed with various other artists. And one of them is like Jimi Hendrix. That's pretty so cool. So they, they they've been around for a minute. Wow. It was super cool. He only did, I think, one song with them, but it was them, Jim Belushi, and Curtis Salgado, which was super, super cool. So I don't know if I heard that or not because I had to, you know, sometimes when they broadcast it, they're not close to the stage. Yeah, this was near and, the end of their set. Yeah, and I I couldn't, I I think I missed it because I had to kind of listen. To, I, I was trying to listen to it because sometimes it doesn't come out clear mm. and I have to turn the volume up. Um so I think I might have missed the song. Oh. I might have heard it, but I didn't know that Jim Belushi was performing with them. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, now, I got there a little bit early, so I heard the last part of the set from Toby Lee and Timothy James. Yeah. And that was good. Yeah. Then I heard Lisa Mann, Karen Lovely, Ben Rice, and David Milan, I think. Oh, wow. That was cool. Did you listen to that? I did not. But I um, did Lisa Mann perform at four. Yes. Who was the one? Oh, oh! But I did hear uh, at five o'clock. I heard uh, Femakuti with who, his band. Who is the son of Felakuti? Yeah. And Felakuti is an artist. I think died in '97, and I just started listening to his music within the last year or two. And he was from Nigeria. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And the Fela Kuti is really, really good. Yeah. I think you're starting to dig his stuff, too. I think so, yeah. And uh, Fela Kuti sounded somewhat like his dad, but he also had his own style. He was really good, and yeah. his um, sister was there, too. Oh, well. It's spelled Maid Kuti, but I'm not, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. Because Madi, of Madi maybe Made Kuti, something like that. But it's, it was mainly Fela Kuti set. I feel really good about it. There's this one thing that uh, I wish maybe I would have done differently. Yeah. So I get to the stage, babes. Uh-huh. And it's the South stage, which, you know, has that incline and oh, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And at one point, this lady's like, uh, you know, you can come up near the fence. And I'm like, no, I'm good. But then more and more people started coming. So I go, within five minutes, I'm up near that fence. Uh-huh. And I'm there for the rest of the show. And she's like right next to me. <laughs> I meant to say something, but I didn't. And then the show ended, 
and I had to quickly run to the next show. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't even like acknowledge. Oh, it turns because I was planning to say. Oh, it turns out that's a good spot to be anyway. <laughs> so I, she might have just thought I was crazy or being an asshole. I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe she, maybe she probably didn't think that you were crazy or whatever. Yeah. Maybe she just thought, oh, okay, maybe he doesn't want to do that now. Or yeah, he rethought it. Maybe he rethought it, but but it didn't matter because you ended up there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you should feel too bad about it. Before I called you about Jim Belushi, yeah, I left you a, another message. Yep, saying that Judith Hill. Yeah. I did some research on her, and she had performed with Michael Jackson. And I know you're a fan of his. Yeah. And apparently she's in that documentary, This Is It, that came out after he died. Right. That's what it said on her Wikipedia page. Yeah. But I haven't seen it. And and, and so I listened at six. Yeah, because I said and he might, she might tell some story about Michael Jackson. And, and she did kids. not, though. She did not. No. She did not, but um, she was really, really good. She's amazing. I really liked her set, and um, her voice was I mean, she has an amazing voice, and um, I understand why why people would pick her as a background singer. She's really good. The thing I love about Blues Festival, or one of the things, yeah. is that it makes you fans of people who you don't know about when you go into the festival gates. Yep. You know? Like, I'm going to be listening to Judith, Judith Hill. Oh, yeah. And she so many ar- other artists that I heard this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to revisit Grace Potter or Galactic, who oh, I saw Galactic the first day. was amazing. And and I didn't hear them live. You were listening to K-Boo. But I was listening to K-Boo. But you told me that the, the, the vocalist who was singing with them wasn't even a part of the band, right? They're instrumental band, and occasionally they'll have a vocalist on featured on some of their songs. Yeah, so she was good. I'm assuming that she knows the band before she went on tour with them. I um, hope so. <laughs> but yeah, she was really good. She was amazing. Um, I tried to find LaRonda Steele on um, my dot. Yeah. But I could only find one song. I know. She needs to put out more uh, recordings. Yeah. You can find her daughter, though, although it's only a couple songs from Los Steele. Yeah. yeah. I hope eventually, you know, when they, I mean, they're pretty well known in the community, but it would be good if they uh, put out more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, but Judith Hill was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. I like. I enjoyed all the the sets that I heard uh, when I was home. Grace Potter was good. I you didn't get to hear it because apparently K Boo had some legal issues broadcasting her set. Oh wow! That's my assumption on oh. why they didn't broadcast it. I don't know yeah. that for sure. Yeah. But she also started it a little bit late. Was it at nine? Well, it was supposed to start at 9. I think it was more like 9, 10, or 9, 15. Oh, okay. Because yeah, uh, one of the guys from the Coin 6 morning show yeah. was just like vamping, and he says, I, I got to keep vamping. They're not ready yet. And at one point, he's like, does anybody here know stand-up comedy? Because I'm <laughs> bombing up here. <laughs> so I only stayed for the first half of her set because my legs were killing me. Oh. But I'm going to be listening to more of her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, you know, because you you haven't um you know, you're you're just getting um used to being out too yeah. and walking a lot and uh for sure I I need to exercise my legs too. Oh. So um I I just realized after the blues fest how a little bit out of shape I am in and I need to start jumping a little bit more. Oh. Getting on my trampoline. Oh, that reminds me, babes. What's that? 
it was kind of fun how Hillstomp did a partial cover of Jump Around. That was fun. Yeah, they only did the first verse, though, and then they switched to another song. I thought it was even funnier, too, when um, because in, in one of their songs, like, the guy was like, um, my my wife died on Friday, and, and we started clapping, and yes. he's like, did you just apply what I said my wife died on Friday? <laughs> And then, and then, and then, and his last, his, his next line, line was, and on Saturday she was buried. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is even funnier because his wife is still alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I did too. I wish they would have done the entire uh, thing of a jump around. Yeah, but we didn't get to hear about John McEnroe. <laughs> I'll serve the ass like John McEnroe. Your girl steps up, I'm stepping the hole. Okay. That's in that song, babes. I think they probably edited it for the radio, but... Uh-oh. Did they? I don't know. I don't remember that line, but... Uh-oh. What do I know? Okay. But, um... What else? We know that uh, Tatum O'Neill had a very bad relationship with John McEnroe. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. But, no, uh... She helped write the song. Did she? No, I don't She didn't? <laughs> Sorry, oh, Sorry, my... I just keep going. Oh, my goodness. It was a great show. Great weekend of performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. An awesome um, way to kick off the month. I I, I have a feeling that I'm going to see more concerts this year than I have in three years. Well, you already have, technically. Technically, yes, I yeah. have. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I saw, we saw a big one in June. Yep. We saw the Blues Fest uh, just this last week. We want to see other stuff. We're going to Noon Tunes next week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to the roots. You're not going, but I am, and we'll see other stuff together. Yeah, I, I would go, but it's just ridiculously expensive. I hear you. I hear you with that one. Oh. Um, we had a good weekend, but there have been more mass shootings, and this Robert Creepo dude, Robert Primo, dude. Primo. Why do I keep calling him Robert Creepo? Because you 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 call him that because you made that one up, Bob. Did I, I thought I heard them say that on the No, news. it's Primo Jr. Okay, so this is something that I'm really... Um, somebody was talking about it yeah. last night on their show. Um, and he was saying that his father was interviewed. Yep. And his father was trying to make it sound like he didn't know anything about what his son was going to do. I want to I add some more context to this. So okay. Sorry to interrupt you. Okay. They were talking about this on Breaking Points. Yeah. So apparently the police had been called to their house back yep. in 2019 That's twice. That's correct, yep. And the first time was apparently this kid said that he was going to kill a whole bunch of people. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened with that, but the second time they're called... He said he was going to kill them himself, and he had all these knives. Yep, and, the and they, dad, they, they took the knives away, too. And Well, no, they didn't. The dad covered for them. He said, these are actually my knives. These aren't my son's knives. I thought they took them away. That's not what they said on Breaking Points. Okay. Maybe, maybe they got that wrong, but here's where things get a little bit cray. Yeah. Um, in the state that he lives in, if if you're under a certain age, you need somebody buddy to co-sign with you when you get guns. Yep. And the person who co-signed with him was dad. dad. I know, and 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 also too. I don't know if you knew this, but he uh, ran for mayor in a state in uh, 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. The dad did. No, no, no. He did. Robert. Uh, Robert Primo Jr. Okay. Yeah. So wow. I think by that time he was close to being 18. I guess. Yeah. Because right now he's 21. Wow. 
But um, to say now, now this is really upsetting to me because yeah. it wasn't just the um, Ethan Crumley thing. Yep. Now it's a Robert Primo Jr. thing, and I think he was res- an aspiring rapper. He was, and there were some videos um, it, with him uh, where he is um, pretending like he's going to shoot up a classroom. Oh, I didn't know that. That's but it doesn't really disturbing. Me. Yeah. And um, he was on uh, the police's radar. Um, and and for his dad to say that he didn't know anything about that, that I, I honestly think his dad should have been arrested too. Oh, good, because I know sometimes we disagree about that. Um, no, he should have been. He should have been in trouble because he knew about this. Okay, so we are on the same page with that. His dad should also get the death penalty. The death penalty? No. Oh. I think he should be arrested, but not. But he never killed anybody. I do think that um, that um, his son should have gotten the death penalty. Should the dad at least get life in prison? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I prefer the death penalty, but I'll settle for life in prison. Well, he would have to actually kill somebody. No, but those people wouldn't have died if it wasn't for his dad. Well, it wasn't for him. I mean, he made the he made the choice to do it. He made the choice to do it, but his dad enabled him. His dad enabled him, but anyway, um, I think he should at least at least have life in prison. Okay, um, I, I can live with life in prison for the dad and death penalty for the son. I'm, I'm not the judge in this case. No, you're not the judge, so you can't really, you know. Yeah, it did, you can't really make any judgments. It don't really matter what Rick can live with, but the oh, the tragic thing, babes, and you probably saw this. There's that two year old and. And Robert Primo killed both of his parents. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they found him there next to his dad who's just like bleeding out. Oh. Yeah. That is so disturbing. I I can't believe, like, I, I, don't, I just don't understand. I just cannot imagine myself being next to someone that I love who's bleeding out and not do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're two, obviously. Not when you're, I mean, when you're two, you don't know what to do because you're just a little baby. Yeah, this is why we need those, uh, was it the red flag laws? No, I don't think that's going to work. So you, well, don't those, why not? Why can't we try? Because, I mean, that, that isn't just for, for crazy people that shouldn't have guns, but then they're also not thinking about responsible gun owners, and it's not the responsible gun owners that are shooting at places. It is actually people that were not supposed to have guns. Um, I think we should look more at what kind of a family life this per. I mean, not not the whole gun thing because it, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with guns, I don't think. I, I think we should look at not just the mental state of these people, but what kind of home life do they have? Do they have a father in the home? And most likely if a a man doesn't have a father in the home, he's more likely to end up in jail. Right, but this guy did have a father in his home. I understand that, but we we don't just have to look at that, but there's other there's other things like is he taking medication? Yeah. Um has he had uh instances of suicidal ideation? Um does he has he been in trouble with the law and it sounds like uh, Robert Primo Jr. was before this. So you if I understand it correctly, you also don't think that this guy should have been allowed to buy a gun. 
Not at all. Oh, good. No, 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 because he was already on the police's radar. Yeah, but that's what a red flag law is, isn't it? No, it's not. What is a red flag law? Uh, To me, what it sounds like, the red flag law is almost sounds like a no tolerance law. And I'm I'm not a person for... Uh, that is for uh, no toler- uh, zero tolerance policies. I'm not a zero tolerance pers- policy person, but with guns, I'm a low tolerance policy person. If that makes any sense. No, uh, to me, the red flag the red flag laws sound good on paper as far as the name of that law, but it sounds to me like it's a zero tolerance policy law, and it and it um. It means that everyone who has a gun is now a target. And it's not just the people that shouldn't have guns. It's also the people that have guns and are not shooting people. Okay. We disagree on the interpretation, but you it sounds like you do agree that if somebody threatens to kill a whole bunch of people on Facebook, they should not have gun rights. Of course not. Good. good of good. course not. I think we should also look at these people's um, uh, social media pages yep. because now – and now that's on the map already. It's on the map. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it, and I really think it has nothing to do with the gun. I think it has everything to do with the person and their mental function. And public execution for Robert Primo. Oh. And we make the dad do it. Oh. Or else he gets executed. Oh. What do you think about that, Thage? Whoa. <laughs> the- Public execution <laughs> and the dad has to kill him. The way we're not living in the Middle Ages where people are hung in the town square. The, town square. the dad has to hang Robert uh, Cremo. Cremo <laughs> like- Jr. No, no. No, no, no. No, Buzz, we're not li- living in the uh, the Middle Ages or the, or the Dark Ages. So that's a step too far, then. That's a little bit too far. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really like the idea of hangings in the public town square. Oh, we're not living in those times. We do a reverse. We have Robert Cremo's dad hang Ethan Crumley and Ethan Crumley's mom <laughs> hang Robert Cremo on the same day. It's Primo, Bob. Primo. Primo Junior. And we broadcast it on YouTube <laughs> and on their Facebook pages. No, I don't think so. Okay, that's a, that's a little bit of a weird. Uh, modern spin on the whole thing. I told you that my aunt seen public executions. That's got to be really... lived in the Middle East back in the 70s. And she was required to do it? Well, okay, so her first husband was uh, an engineer. Yeah. Um, and he, I think they traveled all around the Middle East back in the day. And they were in like Iran and like Libya. Wow. And she said to me that it was mandatory that you would have to go to a public execution. That's insane. That is so insane, and mm. it sounds really traumatizing. My mom might have seen this, too, because she was in the Middle East during that time. That is horrible. That yeah. is so traumatizing. I don't know how that would not traumatize anybody. Uh-oh. I just can't imagine it. I cannot... I just can't imagine being around somebody who who dies like that. So, I'm obviously for the death penalty. I am, and, too. And, and yes, I do believe that we need to 100% sure make sure that we're killing the right people. We we got we to change the way it's done in this country. Yeah. I don't agree with the way it's being done right now. But am I for the death penalty overall? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, there's a part of me that says we absolutely got to do it in public and set an example. Yeah. But if I'm going to be honest... That part of me is kind of like the um, the twelve year old 
uneducated boy part mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. And the adult liberal part of me who's read more and who understands human emotion says, but if we are going to do ex- executions as a society, then maybe we should be more humane about it. And we don't necessarily have to torture people and we don't necessarily have to do it in the public square. No, because we that used to happen in the, yeah. the time of the Puritans. Because what does that say about us? Yeah. Like, it's one thing to say somebody no longer deserves to live because of their crime. Yeah. But what does it say about us as a people if we say, yeah, and we got to torture them as we're sending them out of this existence? Like, maybe we're better than just torturing somebody before they Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, that, that happens still in uh, Middle Eastern countries, I yeah. would imagine. But in our country, I think that um, those types of things should be private. Um, and if people attend, they attend. But I don't think it needs to be um, advertised or um, I for sure don't want anyone to be um, required to go to one. Yeah. Because I couldn't go to one. That's oh. just, that sounds I just don't know. I, I could be very, very traumatized by that. Now, having said that, I told you about this uh, brother and sister who were traumatized because their parents were killed. Yeah. And the daughter was uh, raped by one of the people that um, was a part of the killing of the parents. So when I think it was like one guy, uh, I forgot how many people did this. I think one guy killed the parents and the other one raped the girl. Wow. The sister. And they said, and they were from a Christian family. They said, um, and, and I think their father was a pastor. They said that they would want to, they wanted to go to the execution of the man that killed the parents. Yeah. And I can understand why. I could see that. But I don't think for me, I don't think I would be able to go to an execution of somebody who killed one of my siblings or one of my uh, family members. It's, it's a very complicated thing. Um, and, and there's a difference between the victims choosing to see that yeah. versus the general public being forced to watch it. Yeah. And also, it gets into a weird thing to where if somebody raped and killed a whole bunch of people, yeah. again, my instinct is to say, fuck yeah, get them off of the planet. And I want to cheer as they're being killed. But it does, is that like the greater part of me or the part that strives to be a better person? No. So should I really, I can acknowledge that I want that, but that doesn't mean that I should necessarily lower myself to have that type of mindset all the time. And you asked your, you asked the question, well, what is, what does, um, how would that make us as a society if, we are chilling or cheering for um, the suffering of people yeah. when they're dying. Even if they did and, something horrible. And now, you know, now it's um, when they are executed, it's still a horrible way that they're executed, but it's private. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's only for the people that choose to see that. But even then, I don't really want to see that. I know Phil Donahue said that one of the things that he never got to do as a broadcaster yeah. is have a live execution and broadcast it. Because Phil Donahue is like super, super lib yeah. and he's anti-death penalty. Yeah. But his theory was, and I, I disagree with it, but I yeah. think it came from a good place. Yeah. But his thought was, if you broadcast a live execution, so many people would be turned off by it yeah. that it would lead eventually to outlawing the death penalty in this country. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
it you think about that, you know, and but but other countries would not outlaw that. Yeah. You know, other countries would not outlaw that. And you think about like uh what rights are being taken away for uh women in mm-hmm. those countries and how um uh women women had been reduced to um you know they they can't have jobs they can't be alone with uh, men right yeah or if they you know or if they are alone with men they can't be um anybody but their husband it's crazy in some places it is very crazy i i still can't believe cuz i told you about i i don't know if i mentioned it here i might have but I told you about this one girl I knew for a brief time uh, whose mom moved all the way to Saudi Arabia, of all places. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, why would a person from America who has as much rights as she, um, you know, who has a lot of rights as a woman, move to another country who has the... Um, the um, who who has very very little rights for women? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like she doesn't have anything. Yeah. To, I mean, I think she had a job there, but I'm thinking, yeah. I, well, I don't. I've also heard that with Middle Eastern countries, there's a little bit more leeway with women who go there for work who are Americans. So, like, if you're a teacher going there and you're a woman, it's not like you have the rights that you have here, but you have more rights than the average citizen from some of these countries. So I don't know her particular situation, the lady who you're talking about. I did hear that Filipinos who go to Saudi Arabia to become maids, and I don't know if it's just, like, Filipinos from the Philippines or Mm Filipino-Americans, There, a lot of times they end up being beaten by their bosses, oh. uh, by their, um, the people that hire them. So, um, at least that's what I heard from one of my land, my ex landlords. Wow. And I'm like, that's horrible. That is horrible. That is really horrible. Yes. Um, so they, 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 they do treat, I, I just heard some horror stories about how they, um, inhumanely, they treat women so inhumanely in those countries. Wow. Right. Well, so no public execution for Robert Primo. 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 Robert Primo Jr. Robert Primo Jr. Yeah. But his dad should be arrested and sentenced to life in prison. Something to that effect, yes. yes. Because he was a co-conspirator. Yes. There we go. There he knew about it. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more stuff like that. With I mean, parents. the Ethan Crumley thing was so disturbing that yeah. both of his parents, it wasn't like one of his parents, both of them knew about this, and they still made sure that he got a gun. And they were, like, texting back jokes with them back and forth about shooting up people, like, the day of. I'm like, what is wrong with these... I mean, what are what is wrong with these parents? Yeah. I don't... I don't understand. Now, I know that we both disagree that there are people that commit crimes that actually come from good, uh, good families, even though they've um, made those choices. I know we kind of disagree on that. We disagree on we, that. We disagree on that. I mean, there's obviously black and white, but for the most part, I think, and we're talking about the specific crime of like a mass shooting. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but these two crimes with uh, Ethan Crumley and um, I think with Pey- I think his name is Peyton Gendron, the, the 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 guy that was from uh, Buffalo, New York, who 
who shot 10 people at the grocery store. I don't know his name, but you could be right. I think, I don't know what the deal with his parents was, but he was also on the radar of, I can't remember if it was the police or the FBI. And um, they knew that something was wrong. And I think that his school tried to do something about it or at least sent him to like a the nurse, yeah. the psychologist or something. Like if you're on a watch list, you should also be on some like no buy list so you can't get any guns. And anybody who sells I, them to you goes to jail. I too. also think that they need to have like a um, a psych a psychological evaluation before you buy a gun. No, 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 no. Um, you know, like if if they notice something that isn't right, and they're like, for example, if it's a kid in school, right? Yeah. And they notice that there's something wrong because of the things that he wrote about, yeah. or the drawings. I agree. I think that they that he needs to go see a psychologist or some kind of therapist mm-hmm. because you don't want the kind of kid in your classroom. You don't know what's what's going to happen. And if, and if other kids are saying that, oh, this kid's a loner, this kid was harassing me, uh, this kid um, made some joke about killing people, I think that they should be listened to a little bit more because... Absolutely. Because with the Nicholas Cruz, Nicholas Cruz, right, a lot of kids were saying some things about him. Yeah. And he had a, a Facebook page, and you know a lot of people will say whatever on Facebook. But that had to already uh, tip the FBI off, and he was still – he was also on their radar. So it really makes me upset when I hear about these shootings, and they were already on the radar. And it was – and it wasn't like, you know, nobody knew about it. Exactly. Nobody knew about his uh, troubles. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm sure it's going to come out in, um, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to all come out in the wash eventually. They were saying on breaking points, um, and again, I, you know, who knows if this is going to happen, but they were saying that um, it'd be interesting, and I hope I'm getting this right, if the families of the people who were killed started suing the dad and filing like wrongful death lawsuits against him. That might happen. I don't that know. might happen. I I think that uh, there should be something happening because he knew about this. And I think that's why people are so up in arms about it is because he enabled it. Knew, he, he totally enabled yep. it. It's like, why would you do that when you know your your son has been in trouble and they've come to your house? Yeah. I, I just, that is something that really makes me angry. And these parents should be held, be held accountable if they knew about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yes. yeah. And um, uh, I hope, I hope this kid, I think, I hope this kid faces at least life in prison. I hope the death penalty. But I don't, he may not get the death penalty. I don't know because I know states are different about that. Yeah. But, but if he if he at least gets life in prison, his father should also yes. be in trouble for that. I, I mean, personally, I think they should both get the death penalty, but you already know. That. I don't know about the mom, if she knows about this. I don't know. I haven't really heard a lot about the mom. But yeah. at, least, at least the dad should get the death penalty. Oh. And so should the son. <laughs> Which reminds me, babes, okay. I almost called you books. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Go on. Earlier this week, I read a book by Truman Capote called In Cold Blood. Yes. And I've heard about this book for decades. 
but I never re- read it before this week. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. It's you know the story, right? He, um. Yes. These uh. The was it two killers? Yeah, they kill like four members of this family oh. in um. The Midwest, I want to say. Horrible. And then they go on the run. Eventually, they get caught. And um, Was it random? a random killing? Kind of. They didn't really know the family, but one of them was in jail with somebody, and the guy had worked on, the, uh, on, on a farm 10 years earlier. Yeah. Told them about it, and then they get – the guy gets released from jail, hooks up with a friend of his, and they go to that farm and kill – the husband who owned the farm, his wife, and two of his kids. So sad. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy book, but it's really, really good. Did I tell you one time, I I think I, I don't think I've told you the story, but I was taking a lifespan development class in college. Mm. I thought it was really interesting. And there was a, um, the section of the class that we were talking about was death. And, There was a really disturbing story that my professor said that there was um, somebody who showed up at a family's door and they wanted food and they let the person in and and they killed the the entire family. And this was somebody who your professor knew? No. Okay. No, this was a story. I forgot where she heard it from and it was a really, really sad story. And um, it's a tragic death. And... She was talking about like, um, you know, ideally, you know, some people wish that they would just die in their sleep and things like that. But some yeah. people die horribly, like, like a like there was one story, and she told a story about the family that was murdered. I'm like, wow, that's so sad. I would tell you this, and this goes back to more like shootings and random stuff like that. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous going to the Blues Fest this year. Because in my mind, I now this was before uh, your buddy Robert uh, Primo did the shooting. He's not my buddy. I don't okay, know but, him. But this was only a couple of days before. But I go, I went back in my mind to thinking about that Las Vegas massacre a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, and the Mandalay was, Bay Hotel. Yeah, yeah, somebody was staying at the hotel and shot up this place from across the street. That was insane. And that was insane. And I and I was thinking to myself, the Blues Fest. I hope something like that doesn't happen here. Because that would just that would be so tragic. I I think there was there security. There was, but in the Mandalay Bay thing, he wasn't at the actual venue. He was like across the street, I believe, and he yeah. was aiming down from his hotel room. And I think it came out that the dude was like a millionaire. Like he wasn't wow. even some broke ass person. He was like super rich, and just decided to do it. What that. was really sad was this lady got married to this guy, and uh, when that happened, he was dancing with his wife and he was a a really big guy. So he was protecting her and he ended up getting shot and dying while he was protecting this. Just like some random dude came into their wedding. No, 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 no. This was at the concert. Oh, wow. He was one of the people that died. And I was, I felt so bad for her because they were having a good time and, and dancing. And he was, um, he had his arms around his wife And that idiot just just shot one of the shots that um that he shot uh, one of the bullets that he shot hit him, and it was really sad to hear about that. I don't story. think you should ever kill a person. The exception being if it's like self defense. 
If you're yeah. defending yourself or or somebody is in immediate danger, yeah. then then I can, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. I don't think you should kill anybody. Right. Though in general. Yeah. But I think it takes on another level of just you're a horrible human being if you randomly decide to kill strangers. Did you hear that story about Takia? Um, was it Brian? I think Takia Brian. No. So she got shot because and and I think you would agree with this. So I don't know if you've heard the story, but I don't think so. She was going to stab her friend. She was going to stab this. I think it was not not her friend, but it was this girl. Wow. She was the police was there because she was about ready to stab her friend and kill her. Yeah. And even though she was a young lady, they had to get that girl out of danger because if they didn't shoot her, she would have killed the girl. Yeah, no, no, listen, the only time violence, I think, is justified is when you're trying to protect somebody else or yourself. Yeah. So in that situation, I get it. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you're trying to protect somebody else... And the only way you can do it is use violence. Like, it's, yeah. it's a sad thing. It is very and sad. And you never want to be in that position. But if that's all you can do in the moment, that's justifiable to me. I get that. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, people are realizing that if, if, if somebody is trying to protect their family, they should not be um, convicted of murdering oh, of course that not. person. Because if they're seriously trying to protect themselves and the family like i've i've heard really interesting stories about grannies um getting their gun and shooting somebody and um either to get them off of the property or to shoot them mm. uh, and they ended up shooting them dead yeah and i said and i'm thinking to myself well wow what what a what a woman to um have the wherewithal to get her gun and protect her house exactly yeah exactly and 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 i'm glad that we're on the same page with that because some people would say not not all but some people would say oh they should have you know they killed somebody i'm like yeah no 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 that's a i'm anti-violence but that take is a little bit too far sometimes you do have to defend yourself exactly yeah exactly i i totally agree yeah 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 and um yes yes that's we said a lot today there, J-Woo. Yeah, so the Blues Festival went off um, very well. It, it was a hit for both of us. Nobody died. Nobody died. Everybody had a great time. Everybody. I don't know just, if everybody had a great time, but we had a great time. We had a great Maybe not everybody had a great time, but we did have a good... We. I mean, every artist that we saw was very um, engaging with the audience. Everybody came to play. Yeah, everybody showed up. There were no slouches performing that we saw. No, no. No, not at all. Yes. Didn't you say there was... Oh, I told... I asked you that question. Mm. That band that used to play... Um, I forgot what they're called. The one who, who you said that was probably not really a good band. You talking about the, the disabled band? Yeah, do they play every year? Do they play every year? I don't know if they played every year, but they were there in least two times maybe three that i went to the blues festival wow i, I think they're called something like guided by music oh well and it, it wasn't my thing Uh-oh. it wasn't my thing did they at least get were they were they engaging to the audience or were they kind of like mm. they didn't engage me that's oh. all i can tell you okay. it felt a little bit too hokey oh really yeah but that's just me what did, why do you think that they felt a little hokey 
they're playing off. It, it, to me, it felt like they were playing too much off the fact that they're disabled. Well, what, well, what would you say about the uh, collective you were in then? We never played the Blues Fest. Well, I know that, but I mean, I guess it's a different situation. It's a different. If we had played the Blues Fest and we're like, oh, I'm blind, then, you know, that's a different thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Okay. Whatever. I understand, babes. Yes. That tomorrow you want to be the one who brings up the subjects. Yes, I do. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna switch it around because you ask a lot of questions. I, <laughs> I think I think um, I I hope that I can uh, do it justice, but I'll have to think of some questions. Yes, you will. Today uh, we're doing Little Jayla speaks the blues. Yes. And tomorrow will be the Little Jayla All Stars. Maybe I don't know if we're gonna call All Stars or the Little Jayla Review. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. We'll make it work. Has anybody ever asked you recently why my last name is in a lot of our episode titles? Not recently. People do ask me why I call you J-Lo. Do they laugh at the reason? Sometimes they do. (laughs) Oh, really? Yes. Well, you know, funny that you should mention it because um, I had an appointment on Tuesday. I remember that. And we got together for Mexican food before the appointment. We did. And the driver who dropped me off at my place, the last thing she said before she left was, Bye, J-Lo. Nice. Um, and I had a um, an online instructor who would pr- refer to me as J-Lo. And I thought, oh, geez, what? <laughs> this whole Jennifer Lopez thing is just ridiculous already. And then some people have, will uh, have looked at me in the past and they're like, oh, yeah, you really look like her. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh. I do not. Oh. You're just saying that just to make me sound, you know. I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do, but it's like, I know I don't look like J-Lo. I know I can't see what she looks like, but I doubt that I look like her. Yeah. You know what just popped into my mind, babes? And I'm sorry, I know this is a bit of a non sequitur. Yeah. Do you remember during Blues Fest where LaRon is on stage and I think her kids left because they didn't know the set list and then they come back on and she's like, y'all want to take turns helping me whip them? Did she say it quite like that? No, she... I don't remember her saying that, but I remember she said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the girls take a break." Okay, I thought she said something like that, but maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. I don't know, but I I I mean, I love how she harmonizes with her girls. Yeah, and um, I love how she um, uh, she says you know she says some um she says some nice things about her husband. Yes, on stage. I mean, they're just a, a very talented. Family all together. They are. Oh, yeah. you were nice enough to uh, take me out to Burgerville. That's for, okay. I gotta I gotta tell the story because I thought it was hilarious. Go ahead. <laughs> we are done at the Mexican place that we love to go to quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We've been going there quite a bit, and Rick is like, "Okay, I just thought of something." I said, "What is that?" He said. Okay, we're absolutely not going to do this, but if you really want to, we can walk all the way to, uh, we could walk to Burgerville, and it wasn't actually that far. It was like 10 minutes away. Mm-hmm. We can walk to Burgerville and get a, a shake if you want. And I'm thinking, well, I have a time constraint. And da, da, da. But I said, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we get close to there and we'll check the time? So we ended up uh, walking 10 minutes to Burgerville. 
we had to kind of um we had to kind of uh make some adjustments to our route because there was a bunch of construction and it was really annoying we had to get around it but we got there um i bought us a uh hazelnut chocolate shake and that was really good actually. yeah and I, and I didn't want to get a milkshake but yes you did did i i just said you were the one who said yeah i said that we're absolutely not going to do this. he he manipulated the he manipulated it oh and said goodness. that, oh, I don't want to go. But if you want to go, which is code for I really want to go and I want you to go with me. Oh, my. <laughs> I know you, bub. Oh, I so love you, things. <laughs> you have a way of making me um, want to, you know, go to a certain restaurant. <laughs> Thank you, Angie. But um, the shake was really good. Yes. Um my appointment went well, and um, overall, this has been a really good week. So, yeah. um, and when I was home for the Fourth of July, there was a fireworks display outside my window, and people were <clears throat> watching it, and they're having a good time. I thought that was yeah, really even cool. though they're kind of illegal right now in Oregon, but that's okay. Yeah, I think it's funny because when I was a kid in Hawaii, um. Certain fireworks were illegal, but they were able to get some. Nice. I mean, there was always a really good fireworks display at my cousin's house, and it was always fun to go there for New Year's Eve. They were good, babes. They always had really good fireworks. Yes. Yes. Pretty cool. All right, cool. Yes. Well, babes, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, but I think I'm going to go and take another one. Okay. I hope you don't mind. I do, but I love you. I'll probably be doing the same thing. Oh. Yes. But I would prefer if you just, while I'm sleeping, if you just stay awake and watch over me, so. No. Well, I can't watch over you. Okay. What is? All right, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Give okay. me a kiss. What? Stop it. Stop what? No padding. No padding the butt? No. All right. No. Okay. Okay. All right, babes. Anything else you want to say? Um, I don't think so. It is going to be a nice weekend, but it is going to be hot, hot, hot on Next, Monday. Yeah. We'll make it work. We will make it work. Yes. I, anyway, we'll have to talk about what happens on Tuesday. But, Sounds good, babes. Um, anyway, that is all. And our next episode... Alana will take the driver's seat. <laughs> I hope I do. I hope I do it justice. I do too. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yes. All right, babes. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.